So the big question is this, how do real estate agents like us get started in selling luxury real estate? How do we go from selling typical starter homes to selling multi-million dollar properties? What does it take to become successful in the luxury real estate industry? That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Juan Carlos Baronetti, and welcome to the Luxury Agent Podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Luxury Agent Podcast. I am your host, Juan Carlos Baronetti. Make sure to follow us at Goldbar and subscribe to our YouTube channel. On today's show, we're going to be interviewing the Day Palazzola Group at Daniel Gale Sotheby's in Breckenridge, Colorado. They're ranked as the number one luxury real estate team in their office. And today we're going to be setting up this episode into two parts. Part one, we're going to be interviewing Johnny Keith. He's a brand new agent on the team. And he's going to walk us through his first 12-month experience of him working part of this luxury real estate group that is absolutely dominating their market. Part two, we're going to speak with one of the founding partners himself. His name is Bo Palazzolo. And in regards to his team and his production, it's absolutely off the chart. So without further ado, let's jump straight into this. I want to know exactly firsthand what it takes to break into the luxury market. And Johnny Keith, I think you could answer that question for us. So what's going on, my man? How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on, first of all. Um, appreciate the opportunity. And you know, it's weird to be sitting in this seat. Usually I'm the one doing an interview. I have podcasts as well. So bear with me as I stumble through my answers, but it's a pleasure to be on. And I'm, I'm happy to make a representation of the Day Palazzolo Group. And more importantly, what it's doing to grow its base because Bo Palazzolo and Tom Day, who are the founding members of that group, they are trying their best to recruit um, hungry young agents, uh, you know, uh, who have been working in this county and understand the needs that are, you know, of the of the very unique needs of clientele here. Um, we, we are a luxury market overall. I mean, the average home value here is well over a million dollars. And so these are secondary tertiary homeowners. But with, with COVID, we've seen a shift and people kind of moving from our feeder markets. Um, and they're living here permanently because they're working remotely. So I'm not sure about your market down there, Juan, but you know, that's, uh, that's, the, that's the shift we're seeing right now is people moving from primary markets into what we're considered vacation markets and living here full time. So um, yeah, whatever I can do to help you understand more about the luxury market here in Colorado, I'm happy. So ask away, my man. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought that up. Over here in New York, we're seeing so many people going from that primary residence to those vacation style homes, maybe outside of the city. And the prices are going up dramatically. So for brokers like yourself that are situated in these markets, now's the perfect time to be in this business. So I'd love to learn more about really what's your background. Tell us more about how you got started in real estate and, and how long you've been in the business. Yeah. So I've been in the business now for almost exactly a year, thir 13 months, give or take. That's when I got licensed. So to be where I'm at here just now in 13 months, my my first month here with the Dave Palazzolo Group, you know, closing nearly $5 million in sales, that feels like an accomplishment. And I would definitely agree that people are right. The hardest thing to do is to break into this business, um, let alone in primary markets, luxury markets are even tougher. So um, if there's anyone out there listening, I would say what's most important is that you are firing on all cylinders. You're taking advantage of every opportunity to open house. I know that's difficult with COVID, but open housing and networking and meeting with other brokers and shaking hands and doing as much of that as you possibly can, given today's you know circumstances, you need to be doing that. And that was definitely the foundation for me walking into the Day Palazzolo group. Bo is a 
is a person that, you know, as he puts it, wakes up in the morning and hits the ground running. And that's what you need to do every single day. There's really no downtime. And you need to be thinking strategically about how you're going to grow your own business within a business within a business. Whether you're on a team or you're not on a team, I see a lot of value in joining up with a couple more experienced brokers who can pass along their knowledge. But in the meantime, don't think that they are just going to hand you business. You need to get out there and you need to do it yourself. So you asked me my background. Um, I, when I graduated from the University of Michigan in 2016, I started a, um, a nonprofit organization with a family member in Detroit. It was a food-based operation. And then shortly after helping them get that off the ground, I went and did my own thing. I had a food truck because I, I didn't have enough money to start a restaurant. And so I started a, a small crepe stand and it was, it was you know, kind of a traveling little circus um, opportunity for me, but it did really well. And we did a lot of music festivals and fairs and things like that. And it was for me, a good experience to understand customers, you know, just really understand and listen to people and hear people. And I think it's like kind of a rite of passage for everyone in this world to work in that business and the service and something service related, because you're going to learn a lot about um, you know, you're going to learn a lot about behavior and what people are doing and when they're shopping. And I got to be honest with you right now, more than ever, that's coming back to me. The, the work that I did in the food industry is coming back to me as I sit on Main Street here in Sotheby's and I watch people walk by our shop and point at listings and I'm reading their behavior. And I have several deals that are going to happen in the buyer pipeline right now, which are all me taking the initiative, walking out the door and approaching people and not being afraid to ask them, you know, what are you looking for? Where can I help you with? Because a lot of people think that, you know, you associate yourself with the right brokerage, that opportunity is going to fall in your lap. And that just could not be more true. Nothing is given in this business. You have to go out there and you have to find opportunity because no one, you know, I, I would love to see, and I know there's maybe a story out there in the, you know, the audience of somebody who said, this guy just walked in and he said, I want to sell my house or I want to buy this house. But to, to me, I haven't had that experience and no one's shared that experience with me so far in the group of 17 brokers I work alongside every day. So, you know, I think you really have to, you have to be entrepreneurial in this business and you have to be seeking out every opportunity you can. So I can give examples of what those, what those things have been for me outside that. No. So that's awesome. So you started out as soon as you graduated college, you got into uh, the whole restaurant industry in that world. And what's interesting is I see a lot of successful agents break into real estate who were previously bartenders, waitresses, hostesses, restaurant managers, anyone that comes from hospitality understands that this is a people business. And really that doesn't change in real estate. So that's pretty cool. Tell me about after that gig, what did you do from there? Did you jump immediately into so, getting your license or was there a break in between? So yeah, so I had a family member who bought a home here in Breckenridge a long time ago. And um, I, I was I was kind of over the gray skies in the Midwest and that business had done well and I had found a suitable buyer for it, a friend of mine who wanted to purchase the company. And it was a really easy move for me. My wife actually worked in the business with me. So it was our both our primary full-time you know, jobs and income. And so when we decided to sell it, we felt freed, like we could move anywhere. So we went on a bit of a tour as a lot of people do. We went to Moab, we went to Sedona, we went to St. George, Utah, and we, we came back to Breckenridge to stay at this family member's home. And we said, you know what, why not Breckenridge? We have a landing point and it's such a beautiful place to live and the quality of life is incredible. And we moved here in um, 20, 2019. So yeah, it's been two, two, a little over two years up here in the mountains. And uh, when I sold that business and I moved here, I started an online direct-to-consumer uh, fishing and hunting company, which uh, you know was really impacted by COVID. I traveled in 2019 to China for four months, give or take, setting up 
you know, a, a whole supply chain and meeting with distributors and manufacturers and trading companies. And then I get news in late 2019, you know, December, Hey, there's this, this, this thing happening and, you know, you need to be paying attention to it from a family member. And then in 2020, I just realized, Whoa, this is, this is not going to be, you know, something I can pursue at this point. So got licensed as a realtor very quickly, just self-studied at home and got associated with a brokerage down in Denver, which was the commercial one. That was that, that my, me gravitating towards a commercial brokerage had a lot to do with the fact that I always wanted to invest in real estate. So I was always on the sidelines, just paying attention and, you know, looking at the investments and underwriting them like spreadsheets. I'm sure there's tons of people out there that do that for fun, just like me. And that's why I said, okay, well, if I work with a commercial brokerage, I'll understand it at a deeper level. And then, you know, I worked with uh, briefly for Keller Williams office here in Breckenridge because it was, you know, easy to get a foot in the door. And Bo and I actually did a podcast uh, with Keller Williams. And then he said, you know what, you seem like you're a hungry person. And you, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who move up here to just enjoy the lifestyle. There's not a lot of people who move up here to enjoy the lifestyle and may have a successful career. So he said, come on and work for me. And it took a little courting, but eventually I saw the value in joining the group. And I'm glad I did because I'm here today and I'm selling now. <laughs> no, that's, that's an incredible story, man. And now you're at that point where you've been licensed as a realtor for the last 12 months. You've been focused on working with the group, specifically in the luxury real estate market. What were your first 90 days like? Like, Describe that to us. Well, so my first week with Bo, I had something under contract, which was awesome. And really, it, it was, did he give you the lead or did you find it on your no, own? No, it was a, it was a culmination of, I had done a lot of backend work to my own website and things like that. So it was a little bit of lag time. It wasn't, but I definitely feel assisted by the group. And that's why I advocate for a team structure for people, especially new to the business, where if you get with people, you know, you, you're more probable to close that deal. Cause I remember that lead coming in um, through my website, which was a lot of my own hard work, but then saying, okay, I have this lead and it's great. And I know what to do as far as the customer service, but there's a whole other wealth of knowledge you can draw from people who've been doing this for, you know, decades and and you bring their experience into it. And that's just creating the best result for your client. So um, it was without a doubt, you know, the right decision to, to be working alongside, you know, a, a, a senior member of our group. So yeah, that was my first month. Then right after that, I had a friend up here who wanted to do a referral. And then I had, a, you know, an enormous lead come in through, through the Sotheby's referral network, which was amazing. And, you know, Bo has some beautiful luxury listings. If you guys want to check those out online, it's 56, 56 Wildcat um, Drive in Breckenridge, Colorado, 80424. Check that out on your on any website um, that's, that shows the real estate in our area. That's gorgeous. 33 Iron Mask in Breckenridge, Colorado, uh, same zip. It's, you know, it's amazing what you do when you sit at these open houses at these luxury listings and who you meet and the opportunities that, that present themselves, but you have to be there. And so, you know, Easter Sunday, I'm there the day before that I'm there. And we have another member of our team, Mike Kasbrak, and he is, uh, he's there with me. So, oh, here you go. Bang. There's, yeah, there's a uh, really I'm, I'm just, I'm just pulling it up. And, and this is a beautiful house because uh, honestly, when I came to Breckenridge, I think I was there maybe two, three years ago to ski. Um, I stayed at something very similar to this in an Airbnb. And what we were paying per night, I couldn't even believe that they were charging that much for a price over there. So oh, yeah. Yeah. these aren't just primary residents. These are like killer Airbnb rentals. Yeah. Yeah. I just, so I'm closing on one on Union Trail, which is just up the street uh, tomorrow. I close on that one. That's a duplex. It'll rent, you know, at least 250 to 300K in gross rental wow. income. 
um, annually. And that's, you know, the peak season is going to be ski season, but this home right here is absolutely spectacular. It's a Susan Allen Gara design, Ethan Gara build. Uh, it was built in 2008 and it's, you know, it's actually mismarked right here and we're fixing it. It's four bed, six bath, 6,200 square feet. It sits on just beneath two acres on the peninsula Shock Hill. It overlooks town, Baldy Mountain resort views. This place is gorgeous. So anyone that has any interest in that, get in touch with me or Bo. Um, you can visit the thedaypalzologroup.com or firstascentproperty.com to get a hold of me on this one. But you know, if you're looking for an investment property and something that you can enjoy uh, for peak season, skiing through, you know, Christmas through New Year, you know, this is it. This is this is Colorado's finest. No, this is beautiful stuff. And now in regards to getting a listing like this, because uh, like I said, for, for new agents, a lot of them are intimidated in terms of breaking into this market because getting a four, five hundred, six hundred thousand dollar listing, um, as long as they are familiar with their market and what they're comfortable with, it's just about building relationship with that seller and getting them to understand that they're the right agent for the job. In the multi-million dollar market, does that change or is it pretty much the same? No, it's the, it's it's definitely the same. And I would say that, you know, you you on your own may not be the perfect person for that job. So I see tons of value in co-listing your first deals. You know, if you can bring somebody into that listing presentation who can help bolster your position and compliment you for the things that you don't know, because no, you have not done it yet, then I think there's a ton of value to that. Um, and so a lot of people look at it like, how much can I keep? How much can I take? And the reality is how much can you give? You know, because the more you're able to give, the better positioned you're going to be in your market. So if all you're thinking about is how to take, you know, every penny that you make home, then, you know, look at all the the small mom and pop brokerages out there who, you know, that's their position, but they don't do anything. And so, you know, these, these, you know, joining major brokerages and joining teams at those brokerages. Yeah. When you chop it all up and you look and you say, I'm taking 50% of something instead of, you know, you know, hundred percent of nothing. So that's, that's what, I, that's my strongest piece of advice for anyone out there who may be thinking I'm going to do you know, every piece of business on my own is, you know, really take a deep look at yourself and evaluate, do you have that? And, you know, some people are that, they are special like that. And you may be looking and nodding at home right now and I'm that special guy. And got, you know what? A year ago, I was doing that. I was listening to podcasts and watching things going, it's not going to take me six months to make my first deal happen. But the reality is, is you're, you're launching a whole new platform, a whole new business, which is your website and your social media. And you're trying to attract people and push people towards that. And in the beginning, you're pushing them towards nothing. You're pushing them towards a photo with you, with your thumb up. You know what I mean? Saying I'm the right guy for the job, but it's your history and your track record in this business, which will give you more momentum and you will get more listings and more people will refer you because this is no matter what what anyone wants to say right now, because tech technology is incredible what it can do, but what it can't do is replace the human human interaction that you can get with walk people walking in on Main Street. Because those, you know, by far have been my most productive, um, you know, lead generation sources has been face to face lead lead gen, by far. So I, I have a saying when it comes to teams, and I always say a hundred percent of nothing is still nothing, right? And there are agents out there who are trying to figure this out on their own. When in reality, the model's already laid out there. There are a ton of successful luxury agents who have been crushing it for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And if you could just go out there and get mentored by one of these agents and just learn a little tiny bit of the knowledge that they know, uh, not only will it go ahead and cut your learning curve basically in half, but it'll put you in a position to earn more money in a faster period of time. And that's really the only thing that matters when it comes to this industry. How fast can you close your first deal before you quit? Because we all know the saying, 87% of realtors quit by their second year. And that's because a lot of them aren't making money by that. So what's your thought 
um, on going out there and doing this on your own um, versus doing something that, like similar to what you did. You went out there, you, you joined the team. Uh, how much are you doing in production so far? It seems like you're crushing it over there in, in Colorado. So 5 million this year so far, my goal for the year started at 15. I truly believe now at this point that that number could be pushed maybe 2025. Um, but really, you know, we can get lost in the numbers real quick. You know, we can quickly say, I want to do $20 million and forget that we're dealing with people. So I, I just say that number because that's the number of individual people who I've dealt with on a personal basis who seem to have a need to create a home or an investment here. And so I don't want to make anyone out there, you know, feel like, I'm in this, you know, because I, I truly have realized I'm not in this business 100% for money. There's a, there's a passion. There's a thing that's drawing me here way beyond money. It's the experience. It's meeting with people, being a part of this really intimate portion of their lives um, and trying to advise them as much as I can that that's driving me now way more than it did in the beginning. Because in the beginning, like a lot of people, I see dollar signs. And I think that that's why there's such a difficult ramp up period for new agents, because this business um, it's difficult, but it also comes with a stigma. A lot of people do not like realtors. They don't like the solicitation. They don't like to be sold. They want to feel like they're making, you know, decisions about their real estate in the same way they're putting checkout items in their cart on Amazon. That's the way the movie, the world is moving right now. And so please, if anyone who's new out there can take this bit of advice from me, um, don't get in this business and treat people like numbers and don't get in it to simply for the benefit of the money. Get in it because you really want to help people. And if we all do that together collectively as real estate advisors, then I think that that stigma may, may, may you know, fade away one day. And, and then it won't be so difficult for people to no. crack into the business. Yeah, the, the beautiful part about all that is that if you really put the relationship first, the money will come as a byproduct. If you're just going yeah. out there and you're focused on helping others, Essentially, it's going to lead to referrals and your life's going to be easy as a realtor, you know? Yeah. And let me bring it back to a little bit here to our group and to Bo. That's what Bo has done well. He always told me first it's, you know, relationship, then results. So uh, he, I see him living by that too. I watch what he does on a daily basis and he's following up with people. I just had somebody walk into an open yesterday at 56 Wildcat and they said, you know, we dealt with Bo uh, a year a year or two back. He sold us a place, and they just went on and on. And they, you know, they they knew about his family. He knew about their family, and those are the types of things that are going to matter um, to me in the long run. If you're going to be successful in this business, are going to be, you know, how you treat people and how you, you know, what do you do at closing? I mean, do you do you go count your dollars or do you provide a gift and you know thank people and be gracious and you know do your very best to follow up with them and see if they need anything, you know, or do you close and then have no correspondence with your clients whatsoever? It's the follow-up that will, you know, be, will be the difference maker in your business in the long term. So stay on top of people after you've closed, you know, you don't need to, you don't need to solicit them, but you're just checking in, you know, when people aren't well, send them get well card. When, when it's their birthday in your CRM, send them a happy birthday card, you know, whatever it is, but you gotta, you gotta not forget that people are not just a number, you know? People overcomplicate over the uh, the nurturing process. If you break it down, if you send out a weekly newsletter, you're reaching out to them 52 times a year. You're sending them a holiday text once a month. That's another 12 times a year. If you call them once a year, those are 65 contacts to nurture your pipeline uh, in a way where you're caring about them and, and looking at their needs. So there are so yeah. many different ways to really grow your, your business and, and really have the consumer first in mind. Um, something I'd, I'd really like to learn is, Really, how do you market a $6 million listing? What, what is that like? Are you doing something different in terms of like magazines yeah. or promo? Like, like what is the typical multi-million dollar uh, marketing like? 
Yeah. So I think it's going to be a little different for our market. Uh, but if you're in some type of resort market, uh, you'll probably have the same opinion. So what we have to do in order to market and have an unparalleled marketing strategy to our competitors is we need to be syndicating that to every platform that's in our feeder market. So for example, we're not just taking out ad space locally here. What does that do? Our buyers are not local buyers. They're coming in from Austin, San Antonio, Dallas, Chicago, Naples, Miami, New York, um, so what we need to do is make sure that we have a presence in those markets, whether it's digital, whether it's banner ads, whether it's going to be some print marketing material in a luxury magazine in Austin. And we do that and we do it at an extremely high level. And that's at the guidance of Bo and uh, Mark Wachowski and Tom Day. They've really taken the initiative on our team to make sure that our group, when we take on a luxury listing here in Breckenridge, we're not letting that listing get stale. That 56 Wildcat, I've actually seen that listing when I've been in other cities which is awesome. That's what you want because that global exposure, not just through the Live Sotheby's network, but through the Day Palazzolo group too, that is what's going to you know, make, make a difference in you netting the top dollar as a, as, a, as a property owner here who's looking to capitalize on your investment is you need to make sure that, you know, uh, who, who knows, somebody who comes in from Russia who happens to be in San Diego walking sees our listing brochure in the Pacific Sotheby's office. And that's because we're taking the initiative to make sure that those are sent out throughout the country, you know, listing brochures and digitally. And it's just, a, it's an all, what Bo says, it's just an all out marketing blitz. And that couldn't be more true because it's on social media, it's on Facebook, it's on Instagram, um, you know, and we're kind of in your face about our listings because we want to do right by our sellers. So pretty much the keyword is exposure. You want to expose this property in every single major market across the country. Yeah, because more offers, it's going to create an auction-like environment on that property. And, you know, you're going to have people, you know, essentially driving price for you. And that happens. Sometimes you'll, a listing might be stale, might not have an offer. And I just got off the phone somebody with somebody that this was the case. They had a listing for 150 days and then there was three offers and then there was a bidding war. And that's that to me, you know, signals that that person is getting the right exposure. And they're not waiting for people to walk through the door because if it's been on market for 150 days, the whole local clientele has seen it. But if it all of a sudden, boom, has three different buyers, that means that it's likely out there in these other feeder markets and doing the right thing. So that's what we do well as far as the, you know, the marketing is concerned. And then obviously anyone who's going to follow up and listen to the second portion of this, who knows Bo, um, you know, Bo is Bo's on the jets and he's traveling around and he's meeting with other strategic brokers throughout the country and building relationships. And I'll be honest, that has an, that has a huge effect on this business. You know, there's, there's a certain amount of clients that are, you know, they're, they're looking for the broker to give them the red carpet treatment and Bo will go pick a high end clientele up in a plane. That's not, you know, unheard of. So, um, you know, that's, that's another thing that Bo does that's distinct and different than anything I've ever seen from any other agent in our market. Uh, no, <laughs> so. I, I love, and that's what we're going to be talking about on, on part two of this episode. We're going to dive deep on Bo's branding, what he's doing to set himself apart from the other luxury competitors in his market uh, and really what he's doing to put himself out there and generate more of these uh, multi-million dollar buyers and sellers because that's what it's all about. So uh, Johnny, let me touch base on this. This is a big stigma that happens with luxury real estate. Um, a lot of your, uh, let's say, average brokers out there are saying, eh, I'd rather stick to my market um, just because uh, selling a multi-million dollar house could take me a year or two and I can't wait that long to get paid. Is that a true hmm. thing where these properties could sit on the market that long or is it case by case? Not if they're marketed appropriately. I mean, you're seeing right now, what I'm seeing 
on the ground up here is cash buyers from all over the country. I don't believe, I personally take the opinion that um, we're not in a housing correction mode. I don't think we have oversupply. I don't think people that are buying these luxury homes and secondary homes are over leveraged by any means. Minimal, minimal, we're seeing 20, 20% down. So conventional. So um, no, I, I actually think that there's liquidity to the luxury market as well, enough so that if a new agent wanted to get in. Now, I understand, by the way, my strategy when I first came into this market was to service a $1 million to $2 million client, which in our area is not luxury. I would say anything beyond $3 million is actually luxury in our market. So, you know, take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt. But what I would say is if, you know, you're, you're wanting to get into this business, you have to commit to the idea of being a luxury broker, though, too. That's just a recent shift for me where I've realized I can service clients in that category. And yeah, it does take longer. And the more you build up your base of those, you know, let's just say you're in a market where the average home value is $400,000 and you sell a few of those and you build up a base and now you have a six month runway. Yes, go after luxury listings. But in order to do so, make sure that you're you're equipped to do that and that you're, you're going to do that through your marketing and you're going to do that through your experience and your partnerships and whoever you're going to get involved with who can help you actually serve your sellers. But build up a runway through, you know, average home value sales. And then yes, attack that because, you know, honestly, um, what I like about the luxury market is you get to, you get into dream territory with people. When I mean, when I say that by that is, you know, you can be choosy. A person says, I want to be a hundred yards from the gondola. They want to be a hundred yards from the gondola and don't send them another property. That's 200 yards from the gondola. You know? So like, I like that dream territory, that choosiness, that desire, you know, that wanting to say, Hey, I know exactly what I want. I'm not willing to budge on my standards and this is what I'm going to do. And I actually like that because it creates a challenge for you to go out there and stir up our off market deals and to make things happen. And, I've been, I've noticed lately what people are more impressed by is your knowledge of the market, like the behind the scenes stuff that's not in, you know, realtor.com. It's not on Zillow or any of these major websites. They, people love to know that, you know, who owns that house and that guy's planning on selling to this person and this person's going to be moving to this area. They love knowing that, you know, the behind the scenes of everything. And that creates value right there off the bat. So, no, John, I, um, I think you just dropped the gem without even realizing it. What you just described is basically a way where people could add a unique value proposition to their service model, and they don't even have to have experience. They just have to go out there, do the research, do their homework, update the local market on what's out there and what's selling. But more importantly, get to know the neighbors. Who's living in that neighborhood? What are they up to? People get, are get nosy, involved, right? Let's be real. Get involved <laughs> in the community you want to sell real estate in. You know, that's my mandate right now for myself is I'm trying to get a part, be a part of as many organizations, you know, that are, you know, nonprofits and they, whatever you can do to be involved and be kind of in, ingrained in your community that has such value and you're, you're making, you're making value happen there too. So it's not, it's not like I'm saying not prosper, you know, when I say serve, but you know, that will ultimately be, and this has been said, I'm not original. I know that this has been said in so many words in books in lectures and all sorts of stuff. So, um, you know, I'm not original. I just do really do believe that if you try to serve your clients, you're going to, you're going to come out the other end better. So I love it. I love it. No, Johnny, thank you so much for this. Uh, before we start wrapping up, I just want to give everyone a little insight. What's your day-to-day routine like from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep uh, of a typical day in your, in your life as a luxury broker? Yeah. So for me, really important in the morning is like taking some time for me. Um, I, I, I like to read um, not only just self-help stuff, history stuff. I like just like learn, constantly be embarking on a journey for, you know, to, to learn more and absorb more. Um, I, and typically not these last couple of months, but typically 
Um, you know, I'll definitely get a workout in before I start my day. That's so important. It just kind of like for me is oxygen and it gets me, get me, gets, gets me a fresh start. And then I will definitely review. Um, I've just recently read a book that's had a huge effect on me, which is a go-giver. I don't know if you've ever read the go-giver it's a ninja training required book. Um, but it's, it talks about cer- cer- certainly like some laws that you should abide by, um, to live in a mode of giving, you know, more so than taking. And I have it right here. And so I review that daily at this point now, yep. The go-giver, Honestly, that is a short read. Everyone who's in your audience should pre- preview that and listen to it. Awesome. Very. Yeah. Very it's, it's like, it's under, I think it's, you know, maybe a hundred pages or whatever, but it's a, it's a good anecdotal, you know, fictional account of what it means to really live in service to people. And, you know, I review that daily and then I embark on my day and like Bo says, I hit the ground running. So that's what we're doing over the DPG. We're just trying to make value happen for people. And if anyone has any questions or wants to get in touch, I'm sure Bo is going to leave a note at the end of his segment, but um, the day group.com or get in touch with us through live Sotheby's international realty on main street in Breckenridge. It's one one South main street, Breckenridge, Colorado. Um, come visit us there. Stop in, see me. I'm there a few days a week. <laughs> Perfect. And then listen, how, how can people get in touch with you personally? Do you have a, an Instagram or somewhere that people can find? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if I, I, I'm, I'm more so email, if somebody wants to get in touch with me, they cool. can use jkeith at live, sir, sir.com. Um, or you can call me at my number. It's 970-485-1540. Give me a call. Let's talk real estate. Let's talk about your ambitions, your goals in the business. Johnny, this is all awesome stuff. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for uh, being on the show today. Hey, thanks, Juan. We'll talk soon. All right, take take care, man. We'll talk soon. (laughs) Take care.